Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. I thought I would start the morning with a Christmas dad joke. Is that okay with everybody? Is that all right since, since you've gotten up? So I heard about a redneck town that had a live nativity scene that was in it in the very heart of the city. Everything looked good except for the wise men wore fireman hats. Um, a visitor came one day and asked, why, why does everybody, why do the wise men have fireman hats on? And One of them said, because it's in the Bible. It's there in the Bible, and they wanted to stay true to the Bible. The Bible says that the wise man had just come from putting out a fire. And the person looked and said, what in the world? And then the person said, yeah, they came from afar. Uh, It's really good. Yeah. All right. Sorry, had to do it. Some of you know, I play disc golf with a guy who I think, in my opinion, is the greatest dad joke person ever, a friend of mine named Craig. Well, good Christmas morning to everybody today, and for those of you who may be watching online, um, I'm glad we're together today. This will not happen again until 2033, 11 more years, and so um, that's the next time this happens. But what a great day to come together uh, to celebrate the coming of our King. One of the incredible wonders and the great wonders and mysteries of our faith is what is called the incarnation of God. 
God becoming man. Now, tales of the gods were around at that time from the Greek and Roman gods. Now, as they told those tales, they would leave Olympus and they would come down to the earth and they would come and they would selfishly be among people, think of themselves, and then they would abuse people, do whatever they want, wanted to do to, to, to exalt themselves. And then they would leave and they would go back up into the heavens. And this was the tale that was told among the Greek and the, and the, the Roman gods. Their, their gods were selfish. They were often very childish, re, revengeful. And so when Christ came and the story began to be told, it was a unique story in the midst of the world. For it was unlike anything that had been told and ever imagined. As Gentiles began to hear this, they quickly began to respond to the gospel. Hearing that God had come and he had come near and what he had done and how he loved and how he had served. And they were amazed at that. God had left his throne in heaven where he was adored by angels to be conceived in the womb of a teenage girl in a small village in northern Israel. Who could fathom such a truth, many thought. Inside her womb, in a twist of amazing wonder, the eternal creator God of the universe, now in human form, was developing as every human throughout the history of the world would develop before their birth. He took on flesh and he became like us. Instead of this huge splash on the scene when Christ came to make some kind of big grand entrance, He was just hid away for almost 10 months in the quietness of his mother's womb for the normal amount of time for children to develop. His development was not rushed, for he was God, and he would be fully human in every kind of way, including this reality of him growing in his mother's womb. There would be quite the entrance eventually into the world when he came, but for now it was just quiet building anticipation of what was going to come. Let me remind us this morning why this is important. Even him being in his mother's womb for the normal amount of time, like most of us. Some of us are special people and you came early and surprised your parents. But Jesus most likely just full mount, full nine months. And this is what the scripture says. Therefore, he had to be made like his brother's in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. That's Hebrews 2 and 17. You see, what God had promised all those centuries before through the prophets and even in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 was about to be made known. The great news that God had come, the one who would crush Satan, who would provide salvation to be a permanent sacrifice for sin, was now about to be born. We read this on Friday night, and I wanted to read it again this morning and remind us and connect it with the story. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end to it. For on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness 
from this time forth and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. See, Jesus is the greatest gift that was given to people. He would carry, he would establish this kingdom. He would establish the kingdom. He would carry it on his shoulders. He would be the one who upholds the world. He would have the greatest name. He would do the greatest work. His work would be eternal. And it would increase and it would increase and it would increase. As a matter of fact, I just remind us this morning, the kingdom that Jesus came to establish is not finished yet. Not everybody has heard about Jesus. There are still thousands of people groups who do not have a testimony about Jesus today. But if you go to the book of Revelation chapter 7, every language, every tribe, every nation, a representative is gathered around the throne. The Great Commission will eventually be accomplished where the gospel will get to every people and they will hear the great news about Jesus. So his work is eternal. It would continue to increase and it would continue to have an effect and God will accomplish its purposes and he will use us in the midst of that. So I wanted to this morning just talk about Luke chapter 2 and talk about the great proclamation that happened and took place a couple of thousand years ago that I think are important for us to be reminded of this morning. And the first thing I want to mention to us that I believe is important is I want to talk about the proclamation of the sovereign reign and rule of Jesus Christ. You see, God has never been stopped by man's decisions. What governments do? Are there wars going on? Is there natural disasters? Um, God is not up in heaven as some kind of master chess or checker player trying to counter every move that man makes and and man makes a move or a government makes a move or governments band together and they do things and God's trying to, to figure out what do I do to eventually win. God has already won. Amen. The work has been done. He has won. And he is never stopped by anything that happens on the planet. He is Sovereign over things. God has never been surprised by any information. God has never had to learn anything. He knows everything perfectly. The past, the present, and he knows everything in the future. And that is why, because of his great sovereignty, that we have great confidence today to know that, that the things that we see that are not good in the world today, things weren't good 2,000 years ago either. Heavy oppression from Rome. A religious system with religious leaders in Israel that were not communicating the truth. They were robbing from the people, putting heavy burdens on the people. 2,000 years ago, things were hard. And Jesus came into the world and he entered the world and and he came in such a way that no one could stop it. And no one could stop him. And he accomplished his great work. You see, one of the things that can be lost in us sometimes is that we just go throughout our day, is that sometimes we forget that God is always fulfilling His mission. There's not a day that God's not at work and God is not calling people to Himself, that He's bringing restoration in relationships, that God is healing people, and God is doing incredible things to see how powerful He is and how worthy He is of our trust. He has been doing this all along through history. And this is one of the great assurances that we have is that God oversees everything. He is in control of everything. Every decision made by people 
doesn't stop his divine purposes from moving forward. And since he knows all things in the future, what we learn in the initial story when Christ came is is that he knew what Caesar was going to do. Caesar was not doing this to glorify God, this census. He was doing it to glorify Caesar. So he he had power, and so he thought, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tax the people more, but the way that we're going to get that so that I can get greater money, greater influence, is we're going to send everybody to their home place. So everybody's going to go back to where they came from. We're going to count everybody. We'll get some more taxes, and he will be able to exert his mighty arm. And little did he know that the mighty arm of God was going to use what Caesar was doing to exalt himself to accomplish getting Jesus to where Jesus needed to be because where Jesus was initially was growing in the womb of Mary in the city called Nazareth. Caesar makes this declaration They leave Nazareth, they travel to Bethlehem, where Jesus in time is eventually born. Paul communicated this to us. This is Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So I remind us this morning in this first point, every piece of the Christmas story came at the exact right time that God wanted it to come. God using whatever was present and God intervening in the world, stepping in the world and and moving by power to accomplish what he wanted to do. And I remind you and I this morning that he is still doing that today. He is at work in the lives of people calling us to himself And reminding us that his perfect rule, his perfect reign, has perfect timing in every kind of way. So that was the first proclamation. The second proclamation is found in verse 8 and 9. And it was a proclamation of the presence of God among people. I want to read this again because it's such a powerful two verses. So in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. I don't know what this must have been like. Can you imagine what that was like? Just doing your normal life. Some of you, that's working out in your garage, or, or you're at work in the backyard, or you're doing something. You're just going about your normal day. And an angel shows up. Says, I, I got something I'd like to tell you. Some, some pretty significant news. And, and this angel begins to talk to you. And just a little bit, he's not by himself anymore. There is a multitude of angels who show up. And so this is the shepherds. They're just doing what they normally do. An angel initially comes. He makes this pronouncement. And then in a moment, a bunch of them will come. And when the angel arrived, it says this. That the glory of the Lord, are y'all thinking this morning? Matt, are you thinking this morning? Y'all thinking? The glory of the Lord shone around them. What does that mean, the word shone? What does that indicate happened? Light, right? Light. So in the darkness of the night, as they're out there and sheep are settled down, an angel comes and the glory, notice, the glory of God comes with the angel and light comes. Breaking through the darkness. This must have been astounding for them and shocking for them. 
And it's natural to understand that they would have been scared of this initially. Who sees this? It's not a common practice, not a common experience. And yet this is what happens. I remind us, it has been 400 years since God had come in revelation through a prophet to speak. 400 years. Now, God had been speaking all along through his written text to the people and through the law and through their sacrifices and continuing to walk in obedience. But it had been 400 years since anything had happened. And then all of a sudden, on a Judean hillside 2,000 years ago, God stepped again into the world to bring the greatest revelation into the world. And that was to reveal that God had come to be among his people. So it was a proclamation of the presence of God coming to be again in the midst of his people, in the midst of lost people and broken people, but in the most unique way that had never been done before. God had come in human form. Here's the third proclamation. It was proclamation of news that was joyful. You know, sometimes, let's be honest, we get cranky during the Christmas season. We're rushing, trying to get things done, getting ready to leave the office, to get on vacation, school's over, whatever the case may be. I read an article um, where a, a, a wife said to her husband, I hate to rush you, honey, but you only have 10 days left to get into the Christmas spirit. Just trying to remind him of, of this is to be a time that we celebrate and where joy fills our lives. Fear would be the normal response. It's what they had that night. And our world all around us is full of fear. We have seen that so much. But we are told to not fear. We are told to have a perspective of life and a knowledge and an understanding of life that God loves. He's incredibly merciful and forgiving. He's near. And we are to not be that way. We have fear of peoples, of fear of people. We have, peer, we have fear of people's views of us. We have fear of illness. We have fear of what's happened in our world today where a loss of truth has been replaced by an upside down thinking and teaching that's all around us. We have fear of the false hand of governments and their reach and their influence. And again, I remind us, all of this was taking place 2,000 years ago. So on this night, all of those things were present in the first century So the message this morning is the same as it was 2,000 years ago. Do not fear. Understand that there is a joy that has come to people in Christ. Joy should be our lot. The fourth proclamation on this night is found at the end of verse 10. It will be for all the people. See, the good news... It's not that this is just for select certain people who live in palaces or are powerful or are well-connected. Christ came. The text says this would be news for all people. Not only was it a glad message, it was a global message. It was to be for everyone who heard the news. The good news that God had come to be in the midst of the people and He would lay His life down. Today, my phone has lit up from friends on the other side of the world in Asia saying Merry Christmas. They're excited today like we're excited today thinking about 
that God has come. See, the message is, yes, glad and joyful, but it's global. For the gospel has gone for people to hear it and to know about it. Fifthly, this morning, this proclamation is personal. Luke 2.11, look at verse 11. For unto you, unto you, unto your life, this has happened. You know, as the years stack up on our lives, we lose the childlike wonder of the story of Christmas. And I'm not talking about the person with a white beard. I'm talking about the eternal God. That God had literally come to earth. How amazing that God had come in this unique way to identify with you and I in every way, to reveal who the Father is, to bring wonder as He taught. Remember what people did when He taught? They turned to one another and said, we have never heard anything like this. He would heal people. He would raise people from the dead. One time He encountered a guy who who was a Gentile who didn't have a a big, huge understanding about the Jewish faith. And and, And he said, listen, you don't have to come. You don't have to come. But I believe that you're the one who can just literally speak and you can bring the healing that my family member needs. So he came and he did these unbelievable things. And it was a personal work that would come to the lives of people. And so sometimes we, I think as we get older, we lose this wonder that children have. If you've got young children, they get up really early today, really excited about what's happening on this day. You know what we need? We, we need that in our faith again. To have the wonder and the joy of the reality of what the true meaning is. You know, <clears throat> when you look at the Christmas story, it's kind of messy. Let me, let me remind us. You know, sometimes you can look at an event, event, two people can look at the same event, and they, they see two different perspectives. So let me just remind you, when you look at the Christmas story, sometimes it looks like a mess. Mary is with child before she and Joseph are married. Joseph wonders, what am I to do about this news? And what am I going to do about her? When she's pretty pregnant, Caesar decides he wants a census, and so she has to ride on the back of a donkey pregnant. I've never ridden on a donkey in my life, but uh, it doesn't, doesn't appear to be probably a comfortable experience. I can't imagine doing it pregnant. When it came time for her to give birth, they arrive in town and there's no place for them to stay. Somebody offers a cave where the animals stay that would be smelly, it would have flies, it, it would have animals in it, and this is where she went. And yet... You look at it and go, that's kind of messy. But when you look at that story with eyes of faith, it's a miracle. It's an amazing reality that this is how the eternal God of heaven came and he entered into the world. And I wondered, I've often wondered, I wonder how many others saw the star that came to this place and landed over where they were and they didn't see anything. 
The shepherds are going to come in a minute and they're going to see the most glorious thing that can be seen. So I remind you and I this morning, do you need a childlike wonder to return to your faith again about the glorious reality that God has come? Maybe that's, maybe that's the message today for someone, that we would pray and we would ask for that. Here's the next thing. It was a proclamation that was present. Not only was it personal, for unto you, it says this, is born this day, not two weeks from now, this very day, this event that I'm announcing to you, this has happened today. It is present on this day. Not only was there light that shone on this night among the shepherds, but it was a preview for what the Apostle John would later write in John chapter 1. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. And John writes that the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness, praise God, cannot ever overcome the light. So this day, it was a present day. It wasn't just a future thing. It was happening in the moments right there. You know, so often many people are like, well, next year I'm going to get it together. If you said that last year, guess what? Next year is seven days away. And the worst thing that we could do is get to January 1st, 2023 and say, well, next year. I'm going to kind of get things together this year and then 2024 will be better. I have the greatest news that I could ever proclaim in this room today because we've gathered in the name of Jesus. He is present with us. Right now, he is here. So why wait? It's a personal invitation. It's a personal proclamation. It's a present one. It's, it's for today. To not wait. But now. It's a proclamation that is present. So the shepherds, did you notice a while ago, they, they turned to each other and like, okay. They didn't like, okay, let's just stay out here. Kind of, that's cool, angel, cool, awesome. They're like, no, 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 no. Let's go to town. And let's see what the angel talked about. So they left the sheep, very irresponsible. Do you know sometimes one of the greatest things that we can do is just drop every responsibility that we have and to get into the presence of Jesus and just take a break and pause. I don't think they spent a couple hours trying to find babysitters for the sheep. I think they just took off. I would. Can you imagine a holy angel saying, Hey, in that city, you can see the lights down there. The eternal God has been born tonight. So they didn't wait. They went quickly. Verse 15 says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I have a question for us all this morning. Have you and I gone as far as we can to see the glory of God and the wonder of God and to worship Him and to bow and to seek to know more about how awesome and glorious He is? They didn't stay out in the fields, but they went into the city and they drew near. This proclamation that was made was about a person. 
Yes, God. But God in person, God in skin, God in flesh. So this proclamation was about a person. So the next part of verse 11 says, Who is Christ the Lord? Verse 12 says, And this will be a sign for you when you get into Bethlehem. You're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So these shepherds, listen to this, I love this. These shepherds go and meet the shepherd of heaven in the stable. The shepherds that were out in the field are actually sheep. And they come before their shepherd and they come to see him. So they take on this new role of being the sheep of God coming in to Bethlehem to see the shepherd of heaven who had been born and who would lay down his life, as he talked about in John 10 later, for their lives. John 10, 11, he is the good shepherd. Hebrews 13, 20, he is the great shepherd. 1 Peter 5, 4, he is the chief shepherd. Psalm 23, 1, he is my shepherd. So the proclamation from the angel is God had come. Two more things. It was a proclamation of peace. Look with me in 13. We read it a while ago, but look with me there. And suddenly there was with the angel, not, not just one angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. This word multitude in the Greek means fullness. Where the shepherds were, they were suddenly filled with the presence of many angels, not just one angel. And they were doing what they had been made for, proclaiming and worshiping. It says of the heavenly hosts, you remember Friday night, if you were here, um, 261 times the Old Testament calls God the Lord of hosts. In the Hebrew, this means commander of the Lord's armies. He's the commander of the heavenly angels. Jesus is. And I love what the text says here. There were many of the heavenly host. Listen, watch this. The fulfillment of all that speaking 261 times in the Old Testament, that he's the Lord of hosts, he's the commander of the Lord's armies. The commander of the Lord's armies had just been born. And those who were part of the host underneath the commander of the Lord's armies have now come to proclaim that their commander had been born and he was present. He was in a stable in Bethlehem. See, you keep another thing I want to just make you think about just for a moment as we begin to finish up here. The word angel, uh, one of the meanings of the word angel means to stand before God. It's one of the meanings. It's one of the roles. They stand before the Lord, glorifying Him, listening if He's going to send them out on something at times in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, they were sent out to do things. So think about that. Part of their meaning is to stand. We sing about that the angels, and if you see paintings, they're hovering over the earth. I just want to pose this morning that potentially that when they showed up that day among the shepherds, they were not hovering over them, but they were standing on the earth. If God himself had come to the earth, why not the angels coming and putting their feet on the earth? And if that's the case, can you imagine what it was like for the shepherds to have thousands of potential angels standing around you? 
And I don't know if anybody in Bethlehem saw the light outside of Bethlehem and was like, okay, let's go out there and see what that's all about. We don't know anything about that. But can you imagine if there were hundreds or even thousands of angels standing in the presence of the shepherds, just lifting their hands and wings, and they're proclaiming this great glory God has come. You see, when God's Son was born, there was this great proclamation of peace that came. And this proclamation of peace was incredible. God did it up. He didn't, he didn't send people, hey, go down to Target and, and register for the baby shower. No, He sent thousands probably of angels to proclaim what had happened. And so when he came, the angels were present. They were present in the beginning. This is the third time angels are connected to the Christmas story. Gabriel visited Mary, said, this is what's up, Mary. This is what's coming. This is what's going to happen to your life. Joseph gets the news when he finds out that Mary's pregnant. Gabriel shows up and talks to Joseph. And then now one angel announces the birth to the shepherds. And now a myriad, many, 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 many angels have now shown up. One last thing, last thing with this, and we'll move to the last thought for today. Our world cannot find peace. The message from the angels on that day was glory to God in the highest and peace on earth with whom, upon people with whom his favor rests. And you look around at our world today, and the world just can't seem to find any kind of peace despite all kinds of tools at mankind's disposal. Think of all the things we have on the planet to try to bring about peace that people are trying today. We signed treaties. We've got peace packs. When we were kids, we would spit in our hands and shake, and we would have all those kinds. We have, we have all kinds of things. We have such medical advances. We have such all kinds of things that we have discovered, and yet we look at our world today, and it's deeply troubled still. It cannot find peace. And the reason is because the world will never have it until it comes to find he who is the king of peace, the prince of peace. The world has to come to know Christ. Our lives need to know Christ. Lastly, this morning, the proclamation of proclamations. Verse 16 says, And they went away with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph. And the baby lying in a manger. Can I just stop there for a second? Um, if somebody were to, sh- if an angel were to show up today and say, "Hey, um, uh, go into town and find this baby," h- how would you know where to go? There was no specific instructions. You're just going to go in and and you're going to find uh, you're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. I, I just want to pose this this morning. Um, the sheep that were kept for the sacrifices at the temple, they were kept in Bethlehem. There's a strong possibility that these shepherds were the ones that are watching over the sheep that eventually would be taken to the Passover um, for the sacrifice that would happen there. In Bethlehem, they had places, most likely a cave and a big place, that um, the animals were kept. So when the angel came and told them, where they would find this child, it was 
most likely a place that they would have been familiar with. It's where they had taken their sheep and they had worked. And sometimes they would spend the night at these places to, to take care of their sheep. And so when it says they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, it's likely that um, there was a connection that they had with the place where Jesus was. In 17, it's an understatement. I guess you probably can't write a sentence that can really describe the reality. And when they saw it, what? They saw everything. There's a baby. There's this couple. He's wrapped in swaddling cloths. He's the fulfillment of what the angels had just told them and what they had just worshipped. When they found gold... When they would find gold in the late 1800s, they would shout a word. Do you remember what word they would shout? Eureka. Do you know that that's what this word is, where we get our English word Eureka is from this? It just, it literally means this, to find something. And when they got there, they shouted, Eureka. We have found the one whom the angels had promised. It's interesting about them that as they left, they had to tell about it. Once you truly see the incredible reality of the gospel, it's hard to not talk about it. It's hard to not proclaim it. It's hard to not sing about it and, and worship Him. And so Luke 2.20 says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You see, once you see Emmanuel, God with us, who came to die for our sins and in our place. And to know this reality, you can't do anything but what the shepherds did. They worshiped and they witnessed. They worshiped and they witnessed. And so we get our English word, Eureka, from this, of them just proclaiming, found it, I found him. And I ask us this morning, do you know him, the one who came? A missionary son was, had grown up overseas and he was back in the United States during Christmas time while his father remained overseas. And, and he carried with him a framed picture of his father. He loved his father. And then someone came to him and asked him, what, what do you want most for Christmas? And he held up the picture and he said, I want my dad to step out of this frame and be right here in the room with me. That's what Emmanuel did. He stepped out of heaven. He's God's great gift to humanity. But like every gift, it has to be received. We must receive the gift. So the purpose of this year is to be reminded that we have been given the greatest treasure that can be given. He is Christ the Lord. Amen. All right, let's pray.